On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, credible evidence has been found for a new Model 3 performance after that version wasn't in the initial Project Highland rollout, and it might be quicker than the old one. Plus, factory tours are back, but there's a catch. Another fun Cybertruck feature has been confirmed, and more. What's happening, friends? I'm Ryan McCaffrey. As always, joining you for another week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. This one is episode 425 for September 24th, 2023. Well, I had a wonderful birthday this past week. I want to say thank you to all of you for the very kind birthday wishes on email, Twitter, Instagram. Sadly, my plan to have a Model S plaid rental uh, over this this weekend, actually, fell through because I guess the car was no longer available. My wife was coordinating it. But, oh well, at least I have had the pleasure of driving one before. But that, that doesn't matter. What matters is what's going on now in the Tesla world. That's what you want to hear about. And as always, there is plenty to discuss, including a whole bunch of appetizers here. So I'm just going to start with a quick, fun follow-up from a couple of shows back when I had wondered aloud if the Kettleman City Supercharger in Central California, what with its private lounge for Tesla drivers and built-in espresso bar and merch stand, had any competition anywhere in the world for the title of Coolest Supercharger on Earth. Well, listener and Patreon backer Paul wrote to me with a couple of really strong candidates from Germany. One has a swimming pool, and another one has cube lounges. Paul linked me to a Teslarati article on the one with the pool, and Teslarati wrote, Hilden, Germany has many interesting features, meaning the supercharger. It has a full cafe with fresh baked bread and coffee. It is perfectly situated between Germany's A3 and A46 motorways. It has 300 kilowatt capable charging, and it has a swimming pool. So looking at the pictures on there, it's a tiny pool. It's not any sort of like big hotel resort kind of thing. It is described as fitting no more than four people. And I agree with Tesla Roddy's description that it looks like a large shipping container that's been cleaned up and converted into a small pool, but it is a pool. So that's pretty awesome. And then the one with cube lounges, the description comes from Inside EVs, who writes, What do I really need as a driver of an electric car during my charging break? The answer is simple. Sanitary facilities, a comfortable lounge area, completely automated service of various products, small office corners for business talks, a children's play area, and a green environment. All these things are provided by the so-called Cube, spelled Q-U-B-E, which comes in a minimum size of 50 square meters or 538 square feet and can be as big as the customer wishes given their modular nature. The cubes are combinable and easily transportable by road and they can be added to, dismantled, or moved within a very short time. All that's needed to make a cube functional at a location is water, 
wastewater, and electricity connections. Interestingly, the food that can be purchased on site is described as healthy, fresh, and low in sugar, as BK Group, the person that uh, the group that puts this uh, thing together, says it avoids working with large corporations and focuses on regional and sustainable food producers instead. At each BK World station, a maximum of 80 selected products from the respective region will be available. For example, visitors of the NZ Tesla Supercharger Station will find Franconian wines, award-winning chocolate products, or exceptional cooking oils from the region, among other products. Well, uh, thank you again to Paul for sending that in, because I have to say, those two superchargers sound really great. In fact, I think the one in Hilden, Germany, the one with the pool, that might top Kettleman City. But at the very least, I'm for sure giving Kettleman the championship belt for best supercharger station in North America, at least until the supercharger drive-in and diner opens in Hollywood, presumably sometime next year. Next up in the quick hits here, I recently told you about my first Hertz Model 3 rental experience and how well it went. Well, now there's something new in place that will make it even better for next time. This comes via Tesla's Twitter account where they write, All Hertz rentals in the U.S. now allow full Tesla app access. This means you can use keyless lock and unlock via phone key, remotely precondition the cabin, track charge status, and more. To which I say, yes, awesome. Not being able to precondition the car before I got into it was probably the only first world annoyance that I really experienced in what was otherwise, as I described, a very pleasurable rental experience through Hertz. Though certainly it would have been great to have not had to deal with the key card as well and just had it on my phone. So this now will only make the renters even happier as they get to utilize app features like probably the number one best one, preconditioning the cabin. Another little feature confirmation as I keep the appetizers serving up to you hot and fresh here. This one's a feature confirmation for the Cybertruck, and that is it's got bed lighting. Thank you to Twitter user Gregor Truck, as I saw the photographic evidence of this on his account. So the lighting, the bed lighting in the picture is white. It is probably white all the time versus being an RGB light, like the accent lighting that's in the interior of the Cybertruck, but we can't rule out that this could be RGB lighting at this stage. And I will say, while I am happy to see the bed lighting because I think it'll just make the truck look even cooler and more Blade Runnery, more cyberpunk than it already is, it still doesn't quite look as good as the prototype, the original prototype, in that there's no stainless steel glow as a result of that bed lighting. And that's in that's because the production trucks, and obviously, well, there are no production trucks yet, but the release candidate trucks that are seemingly very indicative of the production trucks we're going to get have the black, probably plastic, bed liner in the production truck. Whatever, whatever material it is, it's covering up the raw stainless, which in the original prototype, it's a raw stainless bed back there, 
which I was fortunate enough to get to see for myself on my test ride the night of the unveiling back in November of 2019, which I captured on my test ride video, which is one of the very few actual videos on my YouTube channel. So I, this made me wonder though, okay, there's bed lighting in the, in the final Cybertruck, that's good. Well, if I don't plan to use the bed that much, I wonder if the bed liner is removable in a fairly clean way in that it would leave nothing behind but nice, clean, exposed stainless. And I will add, if you're wondering, yes, I admit I am absolutely going to be a fake truck guy with my Cybertruck. I am going to be a poser. I make no bones about that. I am not going to be actually doing truck stuff with this thing hardly ever, if ever. It is the, the vault to the bed is going to just be a giant storage area for the occasional, I don't know, if I ever buy a new television or, or something like that. So that's why I would be curious to, or I will be curious to look into the possibility of removing the black plastic bed liner to see if I can just get it down to the raw stainless in there, which would make the bed lighting really glow off that stainless. Speaking of the Cybertruck, this is purely my own speculation here, but as I record this on Friday evening, September 22nd, it sure doesn't look like the Cybertruck launch event is going to sneak in here in the third quarter, which as you know, we'd been led to believe that that was what Tesla was aiming for per an Elon Musk tweet about it a good, what, couple months ago now, maybe. And I say this because Tesla typically gives about a week's notice on events, usually not more than that. And so we would have needed that announcement probably by now if it was going to happen in September. It's technically, it certainly could still happen. I'm recording this on Friday. If they were to announce the event, I don't know, tomorrow, it could still happen. But it's looking quite likely that this thing is going to kick in to at least October and hopefully October. On the plus side, though, for some better Cybertruck news, Elon Musk did tweet this today, again, Friday, as I record. He tweeted, I just drove the performance Cybertruck today and it kicks butt next level. Now, I'm going to do something I probably shouldn't do, and that is I'm going to read into this too much right now. And I am going to say that based on that tweet, that there's maybe a 50-50 chance that we're going to get the tri-motor option at launch alongside the dual motor. And I say that because if Elon only just now drove it, seemingly for the first time, that's how I'm interpreting his words, then it might not be ready to launch at the same time that the dual motor launches. However, maybe it will be. I mean, again, I, I certainly, I admit I'm reading into this. It is possible, but my interpretation there is that the tri-motor, which he's referring to as the performance, is, is going to come a little bit later. I mean, maybe it'll be a fast follow if it's not going to be there right at launch and just be available really to all but the very, very first folks taking delivery. So we'll see about that. Yet another quick bite for you this week. Uh, sadly, this is bad news. Factory tours, well, it's sort of bad news. 
Factory tours are back. Finally have come back in Fremont and now available in Austin for the very first time. And if you're in Europe, Giga Berlin for the very first time. So that's the good news that factory tours are back. Fremont tours, as you'll recall, have been gone since COVID. So we are, I mean, it's been a full, gosh, yeah, I mean, three and a half years now since there have been tours in Fremont. And Austin has never done a regularly occurring tour at the couple of events that Tesla has held at Giga Texas. They've done tours for those attendees, but they've they've not done anything on any sort of regular basis. And neither has Giga Berlin. Here's the unfortunate part of the news. In order to get a factory tour at any of those three facilities, it will cost you 15,000 loot box credits, meaning essentially you have to refer not one, but two people to buy a Tesla since each referral is worth 10,000 loot box credits, regardless of which of the four Teslas you refer someone to purchase. So I recognize that the number of Tesla owners has swelled a lot since the last time that factory tours were done and that maybe probably we're at a point now where you just can't simply open it up so that anyone, any Tesla owner can sign up for their one free factory tour per year, which was the previous policy. But there's got to be a better solution than having to sell two Teslas. I mean, it's effectively paywalled now. That's my interpret. That's how I'm reading this. That's how I feel about it. And I will say the reason that I feel very strongly about this is because, as I've mentioned a number of times on this podcast over the years, I have had the pleasure of doing the Fremont Factory Tour a few times over the years. And as I've described it to you, I'll just say the word again because it is the single word that comes to mind when I think about how to describe the Fremont Factory Tour experience, and that is inspiring. It is genuinely inspiring, at least it was to me. Every Tesla owner should have the opportunity to experience a factory tour without having to sell two cars. And to Tesla, if you're listening, I say if you're going to pay wallet, maybe link the whole thing to making a donation to a charity that Tesla is aligned with as a company. But if you do that, even if you do that, you've got to also have a totally free option. Perhaps, say, a monthly raffle that you can opt into through the Tesla app. Because there are going to be plenty of Tesla owners. In fact, the majority of Tesla owners that live nowhere near Fremont or Austin or Berlin that just aren't going to ever enter this theoretical free raffle that I'm proposing. So the people that do want to enter, whether they live in those areas or are going to be visiting one of those cities, they can opt in ahead of time and have a decent shot for their their name to be drawn in a free raffle. So that's what I would like to see. That option at a minimum Okay, if you want, also add the charitable donation option on top. And I guarantee there are folks listening right now who probably have better ideas than those two that I just gave. But my point here is 
I really hope that Tesla takes another look at this and decides to revamp this process. In fact, I was curious how all of you felt about this, if you felt the same way I did, or if I'm just feeling particularly strongly about it and the rest of you listening aren't really bothered by this. Well, I posted it up as the Patreon poll this week, which as a reminder, you can vote in the Patreon poll every single week at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's my Patreon page. That's where you can go to voluntarily support my podcasting efforts here if you like. And as a couple of the regular things I do there every single week, I have the Patreon poll, which is free to anyone. You don't have to be backing me on Patreon to vote in it. And then I have the Lightning Round weekly bonus mini episode, which I'll talk about in a second. That you do have to be actually backing me on Patreon for. But almost 200 of you voted. In fact, let's see if I'm going to refresh here. Are we at, uh, nope, 198 votes this week, which is a nice sample size. The poll question, are you okay with factory tours only being accessible if you get two referrals? And I learned very quickly, as soon as the votes started coming in, that I am not alone in my thinking on this. 80% of you who voted, voted no, this is effectively paywalling it, Tesla should find another option, like a free monthly raffle, etc. 15% of you voted yes, saying two referrals isn't much, and there are too many owners now to allow everyone. The other 5% voted undecided slash show me the results slash I have more to say in the comments below. And there are uh, a ton of great comments on this. Uh, I'll just kind of summarize a couple of them. Uh, Several people said, hey, I bought the car. The car was not cheap. I should get a free tour once a year. And I do not disagree with that sentiment whatsoever. So thanks to all of you who took the time to vote in this week's Patreon poll. Now, speaking of the referral program, let's let's swing back to good news here. A new referral program prize has been added to the loot box, and that is a raffle for a Model 3 performance. And if you decide, if you have some loot box points, you'd probably have a pretty good chance to win this car because this raffle isn't running for very long. Each entry will cost you 1,000 loot box points. And a reminder, as I mentioned earlier, each raffle, S, 3, X, or Y, is worth 10,000 loot box points to the person giving the referral. So Tesla describes this as such. Starting September 19th, so this just kicked up this past week, if you refer a friend and your friend places a new Tesla vehicle order and takes delivery of that vehicle by September 30th, you will be entered for a chance to win a Model 3 performance. You can use your referral credits to redeem additional entries. The drawing will be held on October 6th, So just one week after the end of the quarter. So if you've got any loot box points, this is my message to all of you. If you've got any loot box points, that Model 3 performance raffle might not be a bad way to spend them. And so 
I want to say good luck to all of you who enter. I really hope that one of my listeners wins that car. That would just be awesome to hear about. Next this week, we are still in the warm-up phase, by the way. In your NACS Coalition report this week, yes, that this little mini-segment is back, Jaguar has joined the party. I will read a little from Jaguar's press release. They write, Jaguar has signed an agreement with Tesla to provide drivers of its next-generation electric vehicles with access to Tesla's extensive supercharger network in the United States, Canada, and Mexico. All new Jaguars sold in the region from 2025 will have full integration of North American charging standard without the need for an adapter. Jaguar will also source adapters from Tesla and support the supply of these to iPACE drivers once available. The supercharger network in North America is reliable and easy to use from the charger post to the connector. The Jaguar in-house battery and power electronics technology has been designed to optimize charging rates on both V3 and V4 superchargers. Jaguar drivers can enjoy peace of mind in knowing their vehicle will perform at maximum charging power for whichever supercharger type they choose. Well, I have to admit, I did not have Jaguar as the next automaker to commit to NACS in the RTL office pool. In fact, I even did a Patreon poll on this a month ago, back on August 21st, after the last automaker signed on, which was Honda slash Acura. And in that poll, I went back and looked at it, I didn't even make Jaguar one of the poll options. And that poll had nine choices, so there were a lot of options. Jaguar was not any of them. If you're curious, the winner of that poll was Hyundai slash Kia, who took home 38% of the vote. So anyway, more momentum for NACS. That is a good thing for consumers. And now we ask, who's next? Is it Hyundai Kia? Is it someone I'm not even thinking about? We shall see. Uh, Next, and the last item here before I get to the proper news items of this week, I hope all of you who are kindly backing me at that ludicrous tier, that $10 a month tier or higher on my Patreon, enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode, which I do exclusively for those folks on Patreon. And this past week, it was about my five birthday wishes for Tesla. So I went through five things that I would wish for from Tesla. They're things, it's not, and no, I didn't just wish that the Roadster came out. I made it five things we can all benefit from tomorrow if Tesla decided to implement them. And so again, as a reminder, anytime that you may decide to join my Patreon at that $10 a month ludicrous tier or higher, you'll not only get access to the current week's lightning round bonus mini episode, but you'll get access to the entire back catalog of them. And I believe there are now 64 of them total. So there's a lot, there's a lot of content up there. If you uh, at some point decide that yes, Ryan, I love this podcast and I would like to support you on Patreon. You can find out all the details, all the different support tiers, all that stuff on my Patreon page found 
at patreon.com slash Podcast. That's Tesla Podcast, all one word. And there's also the seven-day free trial option on that $10 a month tier if you just like to try it out and see what it's like to have those Patreon perks. And with that, it's time to get on with the headline story of the week, which is the performance version of the Highland Model 3 is in the works after all. I certainly had wondered aloud if it might not be happening, but we've got some really strong evidence now that it is. I saw this story on Drive Tesla Canada, who writes, A new version of the Tesla Model 3 performance has appeared in certification documents for Europe. The new variant has a new motor identification letter in the VIN, suggesting Tesla has upgraded the performance as part of the Project Highland refresh. When Tesla launched their redesigned Model 3 in China, Europe, and other regions earlier this month, only the rear-wheel drive and long-range dual-motor variants debuted, with the -the top-of-the-line performance variant being strangely absent. Even when the Model 3 was certified by China's Ministry of Industry and Information Technology, the performance variant was not included, leading to some speculation that Tesla may have killed it off. Not only have they not killed it off, it looks like they may have even improved its performance. According to the European Type Certificate issued by the Dutch vehicle authority RDW, who I know I have uh, sourced on this podcast before, dated July 7th, 2023, and shared on the TFF forum, the Model 3 performance now has a T in the eighth digit of the VIN, the digit which identifies the type of motor slash drive unit in the vehicle. The first assumption with having the letter T is that it is now a tri-motor setup, and this would make sense as the plaid variants of the Model S and Model X, which are tri-motor vehicles, also have T in this part of their VINs in Europe. However, the certification document specifically states that it is still a dual motor and it is unlikely that Tesla would actually upgrade the Model 3 to a tri-motor setup, reserving that for their flagship vehicles. Instead, what Tesla may have done is kept it as a dual motor setup, but upgraded one of the motors, most likely the front, to keep the same one that is found on the Model S and Model X Plaid. This would improve the top-end speed and acceleration of the Model 3 performance, something that has hindered its performance in races longer than a quarter mile against gas-powered supercars. Thank you to Drive Tesla Canada there. Well, my first thought as I read that story was exactly what they said. I I thought, oh, the T stands for tri-motor. We are getting a Plaid Model 3. But indeed... Drive Tesla Canada posted the official Tesla image of the VIN breakdown, like the actual Tesla document, and T is just another code for dual motor. And we have to acknowledge that the other possibility, because the speculation on Drive Tesla Canada's part is fair, but I think we have to acknowledge that Tesla may simply be revising the motor with a newer generation version that outputs the same power but is more efficient 
than the last one because we know that Tesla is on a never-ending quest for more efficiency. So it might still be 0 to 60 miles per hour in 3.1 seconds that does the quarter mile in about 11.9 seconds, but it is also possible that Drive Tesla Canada's optimistic speculation is correct and the front motor has been upgraded for a bit more power and performance. In fact, I looked into this to find out what I could about the Plaid S and X's front motor. And we're kind of coming full circle here because I found an InsideEVs.com write-up about a teardown of the Plaid S's front motor that was done by Engineerix, who said, quote, this is essentially the Raven drive unit, which is the previous, the pre-Plaid generation version of the Model S, which itself is a repackaged Model 3 permanent magnet rear motor. The main change for Plaid was upgrading the rotor for higher speed operation by incorporating a carbon fiber overwrap to keep the motor from coming apart at 200 miles per hour. So, I'm not sure if Tesla would put one carbon overwrapped motor in a new Model 3 performance. Probably wouldn't make sense to do that. I mean, maybe, but it does feel like an odd choice. I mean, hey, I'd love to see the performance Highland get to 60 miles an hour in under three seconds and do the quarter mile in under 11 seconds. If a Plaid Model 3 isn't happening, in order to tempt me to upgrade at all, and I probably wouldn't end up doing so anyway, but what would tempt me, knowing that it's a dual motor setup, Tesla would have to beef those performance specs up a good bit to tempt me. And so what do I define as a good bit? knowing that Plaid is off the table? Well, I would say, honestly, 2.7 seconds, 0 to 60. That, that would tempt me, and then the aforementioned sub-11 second. Like, if it if they shaved one second off the quarter mile time and made it 10.9 seconds in the quarter mile, that would tempt me. Regardless... I am eager to find out what this is ultimately going to be and when Tesla is ultimately going to reveal it. Okay, before I get to the rest of this week's Tesla news and your phone calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline, I want to mention a couple friends of the podcast. I will start with Storybook Destinations. I'm a Disney fan. I went to Disneyland. I was lucky enough to go what, about a month or so ago? Got COVID for my trouble, but it was worth it. I, was, I would not change anything about that trip. We had a great time, as we always do. We go with my brother-in-law and his wife and their three kids. So I've got my, my niece there, my nephews, plus my daughter, and we just all, we love it. We have a great time. And so does Ride the Lightning listener and fellow Tesla owner, Tammy. She turned it into her career. So Storybook Destinations is her company, and it is your passport to exceptional travel experiences. They are dedicated to providing unparalleled service that goes beyond your expectations. As an authorized Disney vacation planner, Storybook Destinations specializes in crafting enchanting Disney experiences 
from magical Walt Disney World and Disneyland trips to Disney Cruise Line voyages and luxury global tours with adventures by Disney. But it's not just about Disney at Storybook Destinations. The agents are experts on cruises of all kinds, including river cruises, all-inclusive resorts, and worldwide tours to places like the Galapagos Islands, Antarctica, and the Arctic Circle. Contact the agents at Storybook Destinations today to book your next adventure. Storybook Destinations, where your dreams are their priority. Go to storybookdestinations.com to learn more or call 719-964-1718, storybookdestinations.com. Check them out. Also, check out Accelerate Auto and their X-Care extended warranty option for your Tesla. I've got a three-year, 40,000-mile extended warranty on my car with them, and they offer that, but also... You could go fewer years and miles than that, more years and miles than that. Tesla just offers the fixed two-year, 25,000-mile extended warranty option, which you have to book, you have to buy it before your factory warranty is up, your four-year, 50,000-mile factory warranty. X-Care can be purchased anytime. And again, they go up to 10 years, up to 125,000 miles, and... As of recently, they now also offer battery and drivetrain coverage. That's an optional thing. You don't have to get it, but if you want it, it's there. So if you're going to keep your car for a while, it is definitely something to think about. They offer everything that Tesla's own extended warranty service does, including the $100 deductible, the 24-7 roadside assistance, but X-Care goes above and beyond that by also offering rental reimbursement and trip interruption coverage, which Tesla does not. So check them out, accelerateauto.com slash X-Care. That's X-C-E-L-E-R-A-T-E-A-U-T-O dot com slash X-C-A-R-E. And don't forget to use the discount code LIGHTNING for $100 off your purchase. All right, back to the Tesla news. I am not done yet, although Zelina has made her way in with Daisy on the couch, so we'll see if, if Bike Club starts up, and if it does, I'll just, through the power of editing, make it like it never happened. You'll never hear any uh, any Bike Club activity in the background. But So I am still making my way through Walter Isaacson's 615-page authorized biography on Elon Musk. I'm a little over halfway through, but I'm dog-earing some pages along the way for little snippets that I'd like to share with you that I think you'll find interesting. So I, th- I feel like I'm just going to do like one of these a week until I get through however many pages I dog-ear. I've only got a few so far. I'm not going to do this like endlessly for weeks on end. But I figured I'd share a couple things with you as I'm reading through it. So this this one for this week is about a second job at Tesla that Franz von Holzhausen had back in the early Model S days that, to my knowledge, was never known about until now. Take a listen to this. The, uh, the chapter is manufacturing, and the uh, subhead here is production quality. When the first Model S cars rolled off the Fremont assembly line in June of 2012, hundreds of people, including California Governor Jerry Brown, showed up for the celebration. Many of the workers waved American flags. Some cried. 
What had once been a bankrupt factory that had laid off all its workers now had 2,000 employees and was leading the way to an electric vehicle future. But a few days later, when Musk was delivered his own Model S from the production line, he was not happy. More precisely, he declared that it sucked. He asked Von Holzhausen to come to his house, and they spent two hours going over the vehicle. Uh, expletive. Is this the best we can do? Musk asked. The panel gap finishes crap. The paint quality is crap. Why aren't we getting the same production quality as Mercedes and BMW? When Musk gets angry, he is quick to pull the trigger. He fired three production quality chiefs in quick su succession. One day that August, so this is 2012, Von Holzhausen was with him on his plane and asked how he could help. He should have been more careful about making such an offer. Musk asked him to move to Fremont for a year to be the new production quality chief. Von Holzhausen and his deputy Dave Morris, who accompanied him to Fremont, would sometimes walk the factory's assembly line until two in the morning. It was an interesting experience for a designer. Quote, it taught me how all the things you create on the drawing board have an effect at the other end, on the assembly line, von Holzhausen says. Musk joined them two or three nights a week. His focus was on root causes. What in the design was to blame for a production line problem? One of Musk's favorite words and concepts was hardcore. He used it to describe the workplace culture he wanted when he founded Zip2, and he would use it almost 30 years later when he upended the nurturing culture at Twitter. As the Model S production line ramped up, he spelled out his creed in a quintessential email to employees titled Ultra Hardcore. It read, Please prepare yourself for a level of intensity that is greater than anything most of you have experienced before. Revolutionizing industries is not for the faint of heart. The validation came at the end of 2012 when Motor Trend magazine picked its car of the year. The headline, Tesla Model S, shocking winner. Proof positive that America can still make great things. The review itself was so breathtaking that it surprised even Musk. Quote, it drives like a sports car, eager and agile and instantly responsive. But it's also as smoothly effortless as a Rolls Royce, can carry almost as much stuff as a Chevy Equinox, and is more efficient than a Toyota Prius. Oh, and it'll sashay up to the valet at a luxury hotel like a supermodel working a Paris catwalk. End quote. The article ended by mentioning, quote, the astonishing inflection point the Model S represents. It was the first time that the award had gone to an electric vehicle. Well, I wonder if that explains why panel gaps were never really a thing that the Tesla community talked about in the early Model S days, because the chief designer was overseeing production. It probably didn't hurt that Tesla wasn't a high-volume car maker at that point, they could naturally go slower since back then they were only, and I use air quotes there, making about 20,000 or so Model S's back in those early days. Also, if I ever get to talk to Franz again, I am going to ask him to talk in more detail about this. I mean, he mentions in the book, he's quoted by, by uh, Walter Isaacson, how he learned a lot. And honestly, I'm fascinated by that. 
I have to imagine that he's the only head of design at any major automaker to have pulled double duty as the head of production. I have to think that must have been quite the learning experience. And finally on this topic, before I move on to the final news item this week, I wonder if the reason that we never see Elon's own Model S, which to the best of my knowledge is black, as I recall, and I believe he has Founder Series VIN number two. Actually, on that note, this isn't this isn't in my notes, but it just occurred to me. I saw on Twitter this week that Steve Jerviston, who was on the Tesla board in the original, the early, early days, uh, including when the Model S was being made. So Steve got Founder Series VIN number one. And the super quick version of the story, at least the urban legend, is that when the Tesla board met and voted as a board to greenlight the Model S project, including to obviously spend a ton of money that they didn't have in those days to go ahead and proceed with that Model S project, the legend has it that Steve took out his checkbook and slapped a check down on the on the board table and said, the first one's mine or something to that effect. And so that's the le- that's somehow Steve got VIN number one, and that's the legend of how. And it certainly sounds plausible. And so Elon got number two, and uh, it's black. And Steve's VIN number one is signature red. And here's the part where I was originally getting at when I started down this little side path. I saw on Twitter this week that Steve said he donated a few of his early Teslas to a museum. So I responded to him on Twitter and said, Wait, did you, is, is Model S VIN number one one of the cars that you donated and to which museum? And to his credit, he kindly responded to me right away and said, yes, and it's at the Peterson, which of course is the same museum in Los Angeles that currently houses the Tesla exhibit. Now, I don't think that car is going into the, it, I mean, maybe it is, I actually don't know. I guess I shouldn't say. I don't know if it's going into the Tesla exhibit, but it is seemingly permanently now owned that Steve has donated it to the Peterson, which is awesome. So the very first official production Tesla Model S is uh, that, that had belonged to Steve is now under the care of the Peterson. Anyway, uh, Elon's Model S, the black num- VIN number two, I wonder if we've never seen it in public because he's embarrassed by it. And on that note, wouldn't you think, I know it's easy to look back with 2020 hindsight, but wouldn't you think knowing, I mean, Elon's reputation was pretty firmed up even at that point in time. Wouldn't you have to think that the assembly team would have gone over Elon's car with a fine tooth comb like five times? I mean, they had to know it was his car because again, to the best of my knowledge, he got founder series number two. So they had to know whose car it was. Although maybe they did go over it five times with a fine tooth comb and Elon still nitpicked the heck out of it. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed that little passage from uh, the Walter Isaacson biography on Elon Musk. I am enjoying reading it so far and maybe by next week's show, I'll have it finished. We'll see. Anyway, the final news story that I have for you this week is one that was submitted by listener Pete Petrovsky. So thank you very much, Pete. And it is 
that Tesla is making moves to become a utility company of sorts in Australia. This story comes via reneweconomy.com.au. They write, The global electric car and storage monolith Tesla is getting ready to take on Australia's legacy utilities in what would be a landmark move for the local grid and for consumers and potentially disruptive for the incumbent industry. Tesla's plans for Australia are believed to be broadly based on its model in Texas, where it has launched Tesla Electric and which targets consumers who have either a Powerwall home battery or a Tesla EV or both. Tesla already has licenses to operate its virtual power plant in South Australia and to work with retailer Energy Locals in providing a virtual power plant type offering in other parts of the main grid. But new applications lodged with the Australian Energy Market Operator and for a retail license with the Australian Energy Regulator signal a much broader remit like its newly launched business in Texas and preparations for a similar move in the UK. The move is significant for a number of reasons and is a welcome one given the renewed focus on consumer energy resources and how to, quote, orchestrate the renewed focus, excuse me, the rooftop solar, household batteries, and EVs of consumers to help fill the gap created by the mass exit of Australia's aging coal-fired generators. The debate over the closure timing of the country's biggest coal generator, the 2.88 gigawatt era ring facility in NSW, has led the Australian energy market operator and the NSW government to underline the importance of CER or DER distributed energy resources in managing the transition. Tesla does just that. Well, thank you again, Pete, for sending that interesting nugget of news in. And when I read this, I, here's what my thought process was. Car maker, battery maker, seat maker, software company, AI company, insurance company, lithium refining company, and utility company. Tesla just continues to go and solve problems that need solving. As somebody that's covering this stuff every single week and is super passionate about this, it is just so much fun to watch Tesla continue to be so nimble, somehow retaining that startup-like flexibility even as Tesla has now grown to, at last count, over 120,000 employees worldwide. I mean, this kind of agility is the kind of attribute that is really just going to allow Tesla to become an even more valuable company over the next decade, and if I may be so bold, the next century. So congratulations to any of my Australian listeners who will be able to take advantage of this once it comes online. By the way, a related note here before I move on to your phone calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline. The Powerwall 3 is now available, which seems to be, I was taking a look at the specs, it seems to be a welcome but not necessarily massive evolution over the Powerwall 2, but that is the one you will get now if you end up getting a Powerwall. All right, stick around. I will be right back with your phone calls in the Ride the Lightning hotline right after this. 
Hi, this is Franz von Holzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast. It is time for me to welcome some of you to the podcast here in the Ride the Lightning hotline. This is the place where you can call in and have your voice heard here on the podcast each and every week. If you would like to call in, I welcome and encourage you to do so. There are two easy ways that you can submit your phone call. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, and please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many callers each week as possible, and then email that file to me at my Tesla podcast email address, which is simply teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or you can take that same 90-second or less question and call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. That is a toll-free number that you can dial anytime, day or night, 24-7-1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. And if you know someone special with an upcoming birthday, anniversary, graduation, or some other special occasion, you can give them a unique gift of recorded voices from friends and family telling them why they are special. The recordings can be podcasted or put onto a keepsake Visit lifeonrecord.com to learn more. I'm going to kick it off here with James from the Bay Area. Hey, what up, Ryan? How's it going? James from the Bay Area here. Um, Yeah, I know you've discussed the significant price drops with the S and the X. Uh, So much so, the S is looking uh, very tempting to you, the plaid S. And um, I know you were just playing around with the idea, even measuring your garage, but you're not really going to do it. Totally understandable. But if you were... I think I would have to be that one friend that taps you on the shoulder and says, ah, 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 there's something to think about. And that is, as far as I know, the S and the X, well, you know, uh, those are the top tier cars in Tesla and the S being the crown jewel. Now, as far as I know, and even what Elon has said and what we've seen is those cars will always get the latest technology and features before the rest of the vehicles. Well, as we see, the new Model 3 coming out has ambient lighting, and we know it has that blind spot um, detection. Now, as far as I know, I don't see that in the S and the X currently in the plaids coming out, you know, those vehicles. So one would have to ask themselves, is it coming? And if you think it might from everything that we know, because those cars usually get the latest and greatest technology, may you want to hold off on your purchase so you had those in your very expensive purchase you were going to make. I know I would. That's just me. I know if I were going to plunk down that kind of money, I would be envious if the Model S Junior, you know, the Model 3, had ambient lighting and my new S Plaid didn't. So just something to consider. Uh, I I hope they add it. I would imagine they will, right? And, uh, yeah. Just wanted to say that. All right, Ryan. First of all, props to you, James, for referring to the Model 3 Highland as the Model S Junior. Because now more than ever, it kind of is, right? What with hardware 4, the second row screen, the ventilated seats. To your point here, though, it is a good point. And you're absolutely right that I bet those two features will find their way into the the S and X, pardon me, sooner rather than later. But in that daydream scenario that I know at least a handful of you listening turned into your own reality, and believe me, 
I am thrilled for each of you. I've been enjoying the email correspondence with you. The real impetus to make the move now is the FSD transfer. I think there's a decent chance, I'll be honest, I think there's a decent chance that the FSD transfer either continues into Q4 or comes back another time, but I wouldn't personally be willing to bet $12,000 on it, aka the cost of FSD. So if I had been in a position to actually pull the trigger on a Plaid S, I would have done so even knowing that I'd most likely be narrowly missing out on those two nice features. As you well know, with Tesla, you can always be waiting for the next feature, the next upgrade. It is a double-edged sword. It is the blessing and the curse of this company and these cars. There's just always something cool around the corner. James, thanks as always for your call. Ruth is up next. Hi, Ryan. This is Ruth, also known as Tesla Hitchhiker 42, or just Tesla Hitchhiker, as I normally shorten it to nowadays. Anyway, I'm calling to, first of all, wish you a happy birthday. Second, I want to give my opinion on the new factory tour referral credit reward. And I know there are a lot of people who don't like it, but I think there are some benefits to it. So, for one thing, I think Tesla definitely needs a way to limit how many people take these tours. Because with so many people having become Tesla owners since the previous tours were stopped, and so many more people becoming Tesla owners in the future, letting any Tesla owner sign up to take the tour might be a problem. Because Tesla isn't just a passive recipient in these tours. Like, at a minimum, it's going to cost them to pay for a tour guide, and they're probably going to be other logistical or even legal liability issues we don't really think about. So they can't just have everyone in their factory all the time taking tours. So I think a cost of 15,000 referral credits makes a lot of sense. Another thing about this policy that I think is, is a great thing is that, unless I'm mistaken, I think this opens up factory tours to anyone with a referral link, even if they don't own a Tesla yet, as long as they, you know, refer people with that link um, and get 15,000 credits. Like, you know, I don't own a Tesla yet. I'm still saving up, but I've got a Cybertruck pre-order, so I have a referral link. So this gives future Tesla owners the ability to get factory tours if they get enough referrals, which I think is a great thing that anyone, even if they're still waiting to buy the Tesla they've ordered, can still benefit by making up for an influence what they lack in affluence. Thanks, Ryan. Back to you. Fair points, Ruth. Thank you very much for your call. And by the way, thank you for the very nice birthday wishes. I mean, certainly this new policy isn't all good or all bad, but I still feel like it's hurting more Tesla enthusiasts, be they current owners or future owners, than it is helping. I really hope that Tesla's going to reevaluate this after seeing the public reaction to it, which at least on Twitter, by the way, you might have seen this as well. It seemed to largely mirror the negative sentiment that was expressed on this week's Patreon poll as well. Next up, Bill from Wisconsin. Hey, Ryan. It's Bill in Chippewa Falls, Wisconsin with Soda Pop and Kerbal. And we have a question for you after listening to the most recent episode uh, where your guest talked about his EV conversions. I think I probably speak for most of your audience when I ask this question. How long until you buy another DeLorean so that you can convert it to be an EV? Okay, 
That's a little tongue-in-cheek, but maybe half-serious. Talk to you later. Bill, hello. It is always a pleasure to hear from you, sir. You know, this may sound blasphemous to some of you, but if I ever did buy another DeLorean, and quite honestly, I would love to someday if the finances allowed, which who knows if they ever will, because I do genuinely miss that car, and I really genuinely love it. Like, there is a, there will forever be a soft spot in my heart for the DeLorean. I mean, it was my original dream car as a kid. It still is. It's still my dream car, but I just also have the Tesla Roadster, the new one, as a dream car, and... I, but I had the privilege of owning my dream car for 12 years. But anyway, it's the point of that is to say that the DeLorean's been a big part of my life, and, and I still feel a connection to it. So if I ever did get another one, I would not convert it to an electric vehicle. And the reason is because I'm something of a purist with that car. Not necessarily a bone stock, concourse quality car, I mean, my car had a lot of under-the-hood upgrades, mainly to the crappy early 80s electronic system. But I kept the exterior the same and the powertrain the same. I see a lot of the younger generation now starting to buy DeLoreans, although they're getting more expensive, that are that are doing engine swaps and all kinds of stuff that just... Personally, I know I sound like an old man yelling at a cloud... It just makes my skin crawl. It's just, oh, and please don't do anything irreversible to a DeLorean. My goodness. But anyway, uh, I would keep mine largely original in terms, certainly in terms of its appearance, if I ever got another chance. But I am nevertheless fascinated. It's not to say I wouldn't do it myself, but I am absolutely fascinated by a DeLorean that's powered by a Model 3 motor and 100 kilowatt hours of Model S battery cells. So I cannot wait to see how Kevin's conversion turns out. All right, I've got time for one more call on this week's podcast. It comes from another kind regular caller. Here's Brian from Pennsylvania. Thanks, Ryan. One of the comments about the new Tesla charger with the drive-in and the restaurant, do you think Tesla will finally put a drive-in mode for the cars. Um, here locally, we have a, a drive-in, and it's kind of a pain in the butt when you go trying to get all the lights to turn off, trying to get the sound to play correctly, and then halfway through the movie, the car turns off. And uh, I know there's some workarounds that I figured out, but it would be nice to just have a drive-in mode, and all the lights turn off, and the speakers work, and don't turn off. Have a great day, and thanks again. Brian, thank you as always for your call. I will admit that I never really thought about this because sadly, I don't think there's a drive-in movie theater within 100 miles of where I live. But one possible answer to your question, to try and get serious here for a second, one possible answer does spring to mind. And I have to kind of put the question back to you. Would camp mode work for this? Try it out. Let me know if you get a chance to try it out the next time you go to the drive-in, and I will look forward to hearing what happened, if, uh, what ha- if you got any good results out of that. So, Brian, thank you. It is always good to hear from you, and thank you to everybody who kindly took the time to call in. I will get to more of your phone calls on next week's podcast, but if you've got a question, comment, discussion topic, feel free to call in, send it my way. I gave you the two call-in options 
at the top of this segment. But stick with me. I am not quite done yet. There is a bit more Ride the Lightning coming up for you right after this. As for what's going on with me and my car, I told you very excitedly on last week's podcast that I was getting the power rear liftgate retrofit and that it was going to be something of a birthday present to myself. My appointment was for Thursday, the day after my birthday, but sadly, the Tesla service team here in San Francisco messaged me back through the Tesla app, changing the appointment. They pushed it back to early, uh, well, second week of October, and I asked, oh, is this because of parts availability and they wrote back and said yes so hopefully it's not going to be a thing where it just keeps getting pushed back over and over and over but there's not really much I can do about it so hopefully I've only got a couple more weeks of manual trunk operation left in my Tesla ownership Uh, anyway here's a quick random thought I had a few I had my business trip last week where I was down in LA real quick during, I, I probably had one, two, like four Ubers, maybe something like that, maybe even one or two more. And I got a Model 3 for a couple of them. And I, I noticed that neither of those drivers used autopilot, even though they were driving me up and down the freeway. And it made me think, well, wait a second, of any Tesla rideshare vehicle I've ever been in, I can't ever remember the driver using autopilot, even though, of course, all the Teslas come with basic autopilot now. And it just got me wondering, A, why don't more rideshare drivers use autopilot? I'm not talking about FSD beta. I'm just talking about basic autopilot that would make their own job easier. It would make their lives easier. I use mine every single time I'm on the freeway because... It's just easier that way. I don't have to steer. I don't have to work the accelerator pedal. I don't have to brake when the car in front of me brakes. The car does all that stuff. So I just wondered about that. And then it kind of got me thinking about a larger question. I thought, well, wait a second. What about the larger Tesla ownership community? Does What is the percentage of people that actually never use basic autopilot? Like, Is it a substantial percentage of people that buy a Tesla and just never turn autopilot on ever? I'm not judging. I hope it doesn't come across that way. I'm just wondering aloud. Like this is something, I guess, as an as an enthusiast that I thought, well, of course, you know, you're everybody would use it, right? It's you it's part of the car. It's a it's a really touted feature. It's a feature that works really well. Again, talking about basic autopilot, FSD beta is a an improving work in progress. That's a separate animal. But basic autopilot, yeah, I just I was like I just got thinking, well wait a second. Are there a lot of people that just never turn autopilot on? So, I don't know the answer to that question, just thinking out loud, but I don't know, food for thought. Entertainment recommendation for this week. It's a show on Disney Plus, the new Star Wars show Star Wars Ahsoka. I'm a little behind. I'm not totally caught up, but it's fun. It's a good show. I still, for me, Mandalorian season one has not been topped, although Andor is right there. Like, Andor was just awesome. But 
Mandalorian, when it first came out, that first season was so good. But Ahsoka's been good. It's been fun. So if you're looking for something to watch, give that a look. It's it's family-friendly, too, as a bonus. Time for your pro tip of the week. Here's Austin from Crestview, Florida. Hey, Ryan. This is Austin from Crestview, Florida, with what I think might be a new pro tip of the week. Um, I know some people have reported being frustrated with the turn signal camera blocking things like uh, home link and uh, phone calls. Uh, I stumbled upon this the other day that if you swipe down on the image, it'll actually take it away. So um, if that does bother people when the uh, turn signal is on that it's covering something important up, you can just swipe down. Hope this is helpful and been listening to you for about two years now talk to you soon thank you austin yes that is a good one that isn't super obvious unless you actually try it out there's no visual or text cue in the message itself to suggest that you can swipe it away and it turns out if you just try to do it it works there are a couple of other ones like that in the ui as well which is uh, always fun to to dig in and, and figure out I appreciate you calling in with that pro tip, Austin. And if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week that you'd like to share with me and your fellow Tesla owners and enthusiasts, you can call in with it the same way that you send in a regular Ride the Lightning hotline call. And I told you how to do that a little earlier in the podcast. All right, before I get out of here, let me mention a few friends of the podcast that can hopefully be of use to you. Maybe it's now. Maybe you'll file it away for down the road when you might need them. I'll start with abstractocean. Try that again. Abstractocean.com. There we go. Uh, they have so many great aftermarket accessories for all four Teslas that are currently in production, from lighting kits to uh, vinyl wraps for the center console. If, like me, you've got the older style center console. They've got the tempered glass screen protectors for all four Teslas as well, which are the really nice custom fit, super high quality. Whatever you might find that you like on abstractocean.com, pile it into your online shopping cart. And then when you get to checkout, use the coupon code RTLPODCAST to get 15% off of your first order. That's RTLPODCAST, all one word, no spaces. How about the snap plate? They now have the snap plate plus. Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL, and the Everyamp folks are now kindly offering a discount for you if you use the coupon code RTL. So please go to everyamp.com slash RTL, and then if you're going to buy a Snap Plate or a Snap Plate Plus, use the coupon code RTL. So... Uh, which Whichever one you get, they're both nice, clean, minimalist design for the front end of your Tesla, and it's just going to make those fix-it tickets go away. If you're going to be parked at a parking meter or street parked and you don't want to get a ticket, well, make sure you've got a front license plate on that car, which, again, in a state that requires it, California does. So get your Snap Plate or Snap Plate Plus which is the strength-optimized version with hardened features for maximum strength. Either one is available at everyamp.com RTL, discount code RTL. BudgetSafeSolar.com now offers home battery storage 
as well as solar panels. So you can get the whole package together. Keep them on your list as you're shopping for your solar. Tesla is probably gonna be on your list for solar. It was for me. Didn't work out for me with them. So it might for you. I hope just whichever solar company you end up going with that you end up very happy. If you end up going with budgetsafesolar.com, please use the referral code RTL there. And then Immaculate Reflections. If you are in or going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, Immaculate Reflections is the place to take your car. It will come out of there looking, and I kid you not, better than new. That's my car, probably still today, looks better than new. And it's all because of Immaculate Reflections because I got the paint correction to take all the little swirls and flaws out of the paint. I got the paint protection film on the whole car because I'm crazy, but crazy like a fox because it's quite literally paid off, or at least if if you don't want to use the word paid off, you can use the word saved my original paint. I mean, the way I look at it with detailing, if you choose to do it, if you're somebody that cares about how your car looks, and, and uh, no judgment if you don't. If you're one of those people that's like, it's a car, it's going to take scratches and dings and stuff, I don't mind. Hey, more power to you. You're, you're a stronger-willed person than I am, honestly. I'm just, I'm way too uh, obsessed with keeping my car super nice. But if you are a person like me that does want to keep their car looking super nice, the way I look at it is you can... If you take paint damage, if you get a scratch, you can either pay to have the car resprayed, which, you know, is going to involve blending that panel with the next panel. And so you, can, you could pay that way or you could pay to just replace the paint protection film. That's the route I've chosen. And personally, that's the route I prefer because I would rather have my original factory paint and just replace the film as it gets damaged than, than pay to, to have the, the actual paint resprayed and, and redone. So anyway, that's, that's a subject that could be its whole other discussion of your own sort of detailing philosophies and, and car care philosophies. But the point is, if you would like to get paint correction and or paint protection film on some or all of the car, you don't have to do the whole thing. You could just do the front end, the high impact areas and or ceramic coating so that you don't have to wax the car for the next three to five years. Any of that and all of that is available at Immaculate Reflections. So go to the website irdetailing.com and when you reach out through there, just mention that you're a Ride the Lightning listener and any work that you book in with Immaculate Reflections, they will give you a nice little Ride the Lightning discount puretesla.com slash RTL. That is your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. 49 bucks shipped free anywhere in the US will get you the 128 gigabyte micro SD based USB solution, which is what I have and love. It's just gonna work, it's reliable. Micro SD is designed for the constant reading and writing that the dash cam and sentry mode do. Or you can step up to the 256 gigabyte version for $69. So check them out, puretesla.com slash RTL. Finally, my Patreon, I mentioned it near the top of the show. 
you can find my Patreon page at patreon.com slash teslapodcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And I've got several different support tiers, all with different perks attached to them. The higher tier you go, the more perks you get because all the perks stack. So the base level tier, that $5 a month tier, you'll get early access to each week's episode. If you step up to the $10 a month tier, you will get early access to each week's episode and access to each week's and the entire archive of those lightning round bonus mini episodes. Then you go on up, there's the $25 a month maximum plaid tier. They get all that plus the monthly Zoom hangout plus their name shouted out at the end of the show, which I'm going to do here in a second. So you can find all that information on my Patreon page. Again, it's patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. I do put a lot into this show each and every week. It is free, but my hope is that at some point I will have earned your support on Patreon. You can follow slash subscribe to this podcast on whatever podcast service you prefer. That's not a paid thing at all. It just means that you will get a push notification when each new episode is out, which of course is every Sunday at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. Most of you seem to listen via Apple Podcasts, but I'm also on Google Podcasts. I'm on TuneIn, Spotify, and also YouTube Podcasts as well. If you'd like to find me on YouTube, just search Ride the Lightning Tesla, and you should find me pretty easily that way. The $500 discount, as well as three free months of FSD, that is the current referral perk if you use someone's referral code when you purchase a new Tesla. So if you need one, hopefully you've got a friend, family member, or coworker whose code you can use. But if you just need a code, you are welcome to use mine. Just type in into your browser, ts.la slash Ryan73014. And when you hit enter on that, it will take you to the Tesla Design Studio with those referral perks baked in. So uh, just, again, you don't have to use mine. Just make sure you're using somebody's, but mine is there if you need it. You can follow me on Twitter and or Instagram. I have the same handle on both. It's DMC underscore Ryan. You can email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. And with that, I just want to say hi and thank you to the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space to your backers. I will start with the Maximum Plaid group because there is a new Maximum Plaid backer to shout out. Thank you to my friend Michael Gallo. Uh, we've been corresponding more frequently than ever. We we have, we did, uh, I'm sure I talked about it on the podcast, Michael caravanned with me down to Arizona on my first EV road trip. Back when I'd first gotten my car, it was, it was holiday of 2018. Michael happened to be going that way also. And so we drove together, which really, really gave me a nice peace of mind. And I'm so grateful to him for doing that at the time. Cause you know, I just, I didn't, I didn't know quite how it was going to go, right? So it was nice to have a buddy, you know, a road trip buddy, just in case anything happened to go wrong. It did not. Everything went great, 
with the Model 3 uh, for both of our cars. And we've stayed friends and we kind of hadn't talked in a while. And then we saw each other at the Tesla takeover. And he's also been emailing me about something fun that he's been up to recently. So, Michael, thank you so much for joining the Patreon at the Maximum Plaid tier. I want to thank as well the rest of the Maximum Plaid backers, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from New York City, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisniewski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Joel Sapp, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, Adam Lavoie, ContactOneCallCenter.com, Jason Chalukas, Travis Krenzel, Bruce Otterstein, Tom Behan, Josh Pennington, Matt Kalin, John from Cream Ridge, New Jersey, Sean Tisdale, and Dustin Hart. Thank you as well to the grandfathered-in Plaid-level supporters. The Plaid tier is no more, but these kind folks continue to back me at that level, so they get all the perks and bonuses that they are due as a result of that. So thank you very much to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Ish, not Elon Musk, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. Finally, the Roadster in Space tier backers. Thank you for your very, very generous support to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacoveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, Carol Weston, and Robert from near Philly. Thanks so much to all of you for taking the time to listen each and every week here on Ride the Lightning. I have a blast doing this podcast. Hopefully you enjoy listening to it. I figure if you're still listening at this point, odds are you're enjoying at least part of it, hopefully all of it. But in any case, I wish you all a wonderful week. Happy electric motoring. And I'll see you back here next week. Same time, same day, every single week, Sunday, 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. 
our goal is to make it's it's not exactly a car it's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment it's maximum fun 